Here we are. Second string podcast, fresh off Michigan State, squeaking one out against Indiana. We're back in the OG studio. The OG. O to the Izzo, V to the Izzay. <laughs> the OG. Feeling pretty good, if you can't tell. I'm totally sober, but I'm just buzzing off life off that Michigan State basketball one. I'm, I'm baked off Aaron Henry being the best basketball player I've ever seen. That's what's wrong with me. That's all that's wrong with me. I'm absolutely blackout wasted off Aaron Henry being the best player in the Big Ten. That's all. That's all that's wrong with me. I mean, what a fucking game. What a fucking game. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in the literal worst possible way. Like when someone, what a fucking game, like the most negatively you could possibly take that is how I meant it. Um, Couple things. Obviously, huge win for State. That's all that matters. I don't give a shit how many fouls the refs want to call. I don't care how long it took Henry to wake up. I don't care how many turnovers we had, how clueless so many guys on this team continue to look. I don't care about any of that. Michigan State left the game tonight, and they they have one more number, one higher number in the win column, and the L column stayed the same. That's all I care about. Now Michigan State went. It's a damn shame we lost to Maryland, but whatever. Can't change the past. Michigan State, we win one more. We're in. Right now, people are talking. They're starting to murmur. Not only do you not have the balls to jump, but people are starting to murmur if State doesn't win another game they may have what it takes. If they don't win another game, they their resume may be good enough as it is right now. But what that game tonight does, A, Indiana, see ya, you're gone, forget it. And B, if State wins one more, whether it's Michigan, whether it's one, obviously, if we win one, then however many more, just bonus in the Big Ten tournament. One more win for this team, and we are absolute chalk lock to make the NCAA tournament. That's what matters tonight. That's what matters. Fuck the whistles. Fuck the fouls. Fuck the refs. Another, like, every, it feels like, I don't know, once every three games. I don't know if it's just the big time because I don't watch a ton of out-of-conference college basketball. But, like, the amount of just annoyingly incessant foul calls in these games, does that happen in other conferences? Like, if you're the big Ten. If you watch that game tonight, if you're not a bit, if you're not a Michigan State or an Indiana fan, you should be thrown in a mental. You, I don't even know if a mental asylum is enough. You should maybe be sent to like Guantanamo Bay and like live with a pool of sharks. You'd have to be out of your fucking mind to watch that game tonight, unless you're a State or an IU fan. I mean, that was one of the worst. Play aside, the play was an absolute joke, but in just. Purely from the turn or from the side of officiating and killing the flow of the game and the momentum and any enjoyment. That was one of the worst games I've ever watched in my life. The only one, the next best one that comes to mind was last year at the beginning of the season when MSU opened up against Kentucky. That that game was one of those where it was every 30 seconds a ref's got to blow the whistle because he needs you to know that he's actually there. He he made it, Mom. He's refing a Big Ten game. Hey, fucking asshole. That's not your job. Relax, brother. Nobody's turning on the TV. Nobody's buying tickets to go watch some loser who looks like he walked in from Foot Locker blow his whistle 20 times. Relax, guy. 
call it when it's a foul, call it. If they're just jockeying for position or it's away from the ball and it doesn't affect the play at all, like maybe ch- take a chill pill. Like these are the guys, we got those refs today who are the absolute hard-o refs, who are the refs that when they're officiating your four-year-old or fourth-grade kid's soccer game, they're the ones calling every foul in the book. And it's like, hey, guy, they're four, they're in fourth grade. Just let them all chase around after the ball and scream and have some fun. Like we don't need fucking – you're not refing the UEFA championship here. That's how that basketball, felt, basketball game felt tonight incessant fouling incessant sure there were some fouls i don't mind also the shooting fouls like if someone's going up someone's at the rim and they get fouled obviously call it if they get fouled in general call it but what what drives me nuts is the like the guys working in the post foul guy sets a screen foul guy like look makes a jab step and then dribbles travel like that stuff where it just feels like the refs kind of thinking, oh, it's been it's been a whole minute since I've blown my whistle. I wonder if the folks at home are forgetting that I'm the one in control of this game. Like, is it a power trip? I don't understand it. And I don't understand if you're the Big Ten commissioner or the czar of quality for the Big Ten and you watch that game tonight, how did you not walk away from it thinking to yourself, I'm going to puke if I ever watch something like that again. I'm a state fan. Our season's on the line. This is the most – this game, not including March Madness games, this this was the most, like, anti-highest stakes game MSU's ever played in since I've been a fan. And for large, large, large stretches of it, I was sitting here thinking, ah, I really wish I didn't have to watch this because this is the worst. I'd rather watch – bowling probably i mean it was absolutely unwatchable so the refs fucking relax nobody's watching the game to watch you blow your whistle okay okay they're gonna listen the other thing too you keep sucking ass at it we're gonna get robots or something we're gonna outsource your ass fucking chill chill stand there be a good foot locker employee and call the obvious stuff we don't need you fucking opening up the rule book saying 52a section c column a that's the foul like brother relax i'm here to watch aaron henry dunk on people not you call post positioning fouls every two seconds so absurd and it feels like it happens so frequently and it's to the point where it's not even just annoying it makes it like i don't we even want to watch the game it's unwatchable these refs what they do it's crazy i don't know how the big 10 like allows this to happen if i was the commissioner or like i said the sar of quality i'd be fucking on someone's ass right now saying hey doucher you're out turn in your whistle turn in your stripes you're done here you're never going to ref a game in the big 10 again it's unacceptable as far as the game goes i mean shitter and for the first 35 minutes, refs aside now, one of the worst games I've ever watched, both sides. Turnovers galore. Uh, Michigan State, I said it in my halftime thing. Like, I don't know if they've been playing too much Casper the Friendly Ghost or if we got some red-green colorblind happening or what the fucking problem is. We got inside, like an inside man that's working against Michigan State. But the amount of just blind turnovers is mind-boggling right next to the refs blowing the whistle constantly 
easily the next thing that makes me want to turn the game off. At least like five, six, seven times a night, especially in that first half, just guys throwing the ball to the other team, just like they don't even see them there. Hogart had two or three. Henry had one or two. They're just throwing the ball directly to an IU player. I'm thinking, guys, they, they're they the ones wearing red. We're white. Stop fucking giving it to them. Like, it's one thing. Turnovers suck no matter what happens. Turnovers suck no matter what happens. But it's one thing when the guy's, like, locked up on you in your grill and he steals it away or they dig down and steal it or they block a shot or whatever. It's one thing when the other team does something good and they get the ball. And it's a whole another level of annoyance when nobody's around the MSU guy, no one's pressuring him, and they just throw it to IU. There was one, too. There was one we were inbounding it. We we were inbounding it, and for some reason, the inbound play was throw it over Malik Hall's shoulder in this tight corner, like let's give him zero space to work with and throw throw him the ball over his shoulder, and we just threw it out of bounds, and I'm sitting there like Tom Izzo. The guy, I can't remember who threw it in. I think it was Hauser. Like, guys, you thought, why did anybody think that was a good idea? Joey Hauser, why did you just throw the ball out of bounds, bro? Like, it's fucking mind-boggling, some of these turnovers. Not to mention, outside of Gabe Brown and Josh Langford and Spurts, nobody on this team can make a three. Nobody on this team can make a three. To the point. I'm texting my friends and we're saying, what are the like Rocket Watts, Joey Hauser? What do you guys practice exactly? What is it like? It's a what is it exactly that you do here? What would you say you do here scenario? Joey Hauser, what is it that you would say you do here? Listen, I know Michigan State won. I know it was a huge game. I know Aaron Henry had an absolutely epic performance down the stretch. I know we kept our tournament hopes alive. I know I should probably be feeling pretty good, but I'm not. That was This is about as unsatisfied and unhappy as I could possibly be after any Michigan State win, let alone a Michigan State win that's keeping the tournament hopes alive. I mean, that game, Indiana fucking sucks. If like in case you didn't notice, that team we played yesterday or tonight, I should say I'm recording it tonight. You'll hear this tomorrow though. That team we played, Indiana, they are absolutely atrocious. And their best player was on the bench for what felt like half the game. He only had 9 points and 7 rebounds and we only won by 6. We should have blown the doors off of those guys tonight. That team is an absolute joke. That team's a joke. They're terrible. And we won by six. And it wasn't because, oh, man, Indiana's going crazy tonight. They're hitting shots left, right, and center. They didn't want to win either. They were fucking worse than us. They didn't want to win. Their season was on the line, and they didn't seem to have any interest in doing anything about it. They were missing threes. Trace Jackson Davis, credit to Bingham at the end, got absolutely eaten alive. He couldn't do anything. But that team stinks. MSU. I know we had eight turnovers in the first half, which lead to IU points and empty possessions for us where we don't even take a shot, okay? We missed nine or 10 or 11 free throws on the night, just giving away points, again, in a game where we're in the bonus all game. Can't have that. You simply can't have that. We played Maryland the other night. They missed like one free throw all game. 
boys, make your goddamn free throws. Not to mention we're missing front ends. State is addicted to missing front ends of one-on-one. Missing free throws. We What were we, four for like 19 from three? Just stat after stat after stat of just like if we do it at a at a like a remotely average rate we murder that team we played tonight what 4 for 20 from 3 4 for 19 20% if we shoot 30% that's what making two more threes three more threes we blow them up we missed like 10 free throws we missed five free throws beat them easily we turned it over eight times in the first half. We only turned it over four times. We beat them easily. Like, all these little things. And they're such easy th- Free throws. They're fucking called free throws. They're free. Make them. Three-point shooting. Some of you guys don't do anything except three-point shooting. Some of you guys should know by this point in the season that you're not capable of doing anything except three-point shooting. Make your threes. Rocket Watts, I'm looking at you. Joey Hauser, I'm looking at you. Every time, Joey Hauser, you dribble the ball, it ends up in the other team's hands. Now, he had those two buckets, back-to-back possessions, where he posted his man up and flipped it up for two twice in a row. Good job. Good job. That's the legitimately the first time this year since the beginning of the season I can remember Joey Hauser scoring – in a, in a way that wasn't just shooting a three or maybe a free throw. And let's not get too hot and, and all in on the Joey, the Joey Hauser party. Cause he made a couple baskets. He gave up four points directly because of him being bad right before that. He missed a three, didn't hustle back and his guy got a transition layup. And then the next possession he bit on a fake handoff and his guy got an easy layup. So he still was very much so net negative. Like Joey Hauser, your job, your role. I don't know if Tom Izzo's told you this or yet. That I don't know if he's told you this or not. And if he hasn't, it's probably because he doesn't have the heart. Because you're a good kid, you're a nice kid. He told you to come to Michigan State, buddy. You should not be allowed to step within the three point line. You stand outside around the half circle. That's the three point line. You stand there with your arms up, your hands open. And if the ball comes, you catch it and you shoot it. If it doesn't come, you run back and play defense. That's it. You should never be allowed to dribble the ball. I'm also interested to know does Joey Hauser dribble it in practice? Like, what is practice like? Does he get the ball in the post and dribble it in practice? And if so, does he not turn it over every single time in practice? Which lends the question, why does he turn it over every fucking time he dribbles it in a game? Or how come everybody else just steals it from him, but in practice the boys on his team can't steal it from him? Like, I swear to God, every single time, like not even hyperbole, every single time Joey Hauser dribbles the ball, it ends up with the other team. Every time. It's 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 remarkable. It's actually incredible. It doesn't even make sense, to be totally honest. Every single time it feels like he puts it on the floor, turnover, automatic turnover. It's like, I don't know how we haven't gotten to the point or Izzo hasn't gotten to the point of being like, hey, man, listen, you're a great guy. You're doing real well in school. Love your family. You guys come from a nice town. Um, Never fucking dribble the ball again, though, or you're off the team. It's crunch time. 
It's winter go home. We don't have time for Joey Hauser to experiment if this new post move is going to work. Can't afford three fucking turnovers off him dribbling it alone. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Other guy, Rocket Watts. Played well, Illinois, Ohio State, back-to-back nights. He had good games. All of a sudden, he's just a bum again. Like, I mean, I've said it. I've So many of these podcasts, I've come on here and done the why does Rocket Watts stink routine. I'm not going to do it again. But you, same boat. You officially qualify for the same boat. Your job in practice every single day, similar if anyone ever played football and how the kicker would just kind of be separate from the team and just kick all day, which makes sense because all his role was to kick. Rocket Watts, you and Joey Hauser, everyone else is practicing scrimmaging five on five. You guys should just go to the other hoop, stand there, and just shoot threes. Rocket, you stand around the three-point line. If it comes, hands up, catch, shoot, make it go in. And if it doesn't, run back and play defense because you're also good for literally nothing else. It's crazy. What do these guys practice exactly? What, like, Joey Hauser, Rocket Watts, you guys don't dribble, you don't penetrate, you don't pass well. What is it that you practice? I'm serious. Like, fucking, what, turning it over? <laughs> what do you practice? How is everyone not named Gabe Brown and Josh Lankford so bad at shooting threes? At least Aaron Henry just scores inside. He's like, fine, I can't shoot threes. That's why I practice scoring inside, because I do that. Like, it's crazy to me. <sighs> I'm still, like, pissed that that game was so close. I'm still pissed, too. That going into that game, it was a do-or-die game. It was a Michigan State history, legacy, culture game for the last 22 years game. We know Indiana stinks. They know Indiana stinks. Indiana knows Indiana stinks. And we came out and looked like dog shit for 35 minutes. And then Aaron Henry said, all right, I've had enough of you fucking scrubs trying to sabotage this team. Give me the ball. You guys go stand over there. I'm going to score six possessions in a row and I'm going to get rebounds and steals while I'm at it because we need to stop him to win like unreal performance by Aaron Henry, but I just can't get over. I can't get over the fact that we knew Tom Izzo, these guys knew these guys who have been around successful teams. A lot of these guys were on that final 14. They played with Cassius Winston for a couple of years have been around these successful teams. They know what it takes to win. And they came in against a dog shit Indiana team with everything on the line and played like ass. Pisses me off. I don't care that we ended up winning. It pisses me off. And those guys better be buying him breakfast, lunch, dinner, kissing his tuchus. I'd kiss his tuchus if I could. Aaron Henry maybe, maybe the most dominant five-minute stretch I've seen from a Michigan State player in my life. Don't get me wrong. Cassius Winston had some unreal games, unreal moments, unreal player in general. I'm not even, this isn't even to compare Henry to Cassius, but that five minutes tonight, he, he legitimately, I said it last week, he legitimately looked like he said at the last huddle, Hey, you fucking losers. I'm going to clench you guys all by the testicles and I'm going to drag you across the finish line tonight. Give me the ball. You guys stink, so get out of my way, and I'm going to score every time and just try to guard someone. How's that sound, guys? 
That sound that seems like what Aaron Henry did, and it was the most impressive thing I think I've seen from a Michigan State player in a short span like that. I mean, just the fact twelve points straight to close the game out. That's like that doesn't happen in college. That shit does not happen in college. That's like Steph Curry, LeBron James shit. You don't hear that in college. Guys going 12 straight points to close the game out and digging down on the other team's best player for a steal and getting rebounds. You don't hear that. The crazy thing, too, and the thing that I love so much about this Aaron Henry moment and this game, I mean, A, legacy game. This Whatever happens this year, if this team makes the tournament, whatever happens, when Henry's gone, this will be the Aaron Henry game. And he's been incredible the last few against Illinois, against Ohio State, last time against IU. This will be the Aaron Henry game. And the thing I love so much about it, again, I said it, this dude's a fucking Spartan dog. That mentality. Didn't have a great game. Didn't have a great first first half. Shots weren't falling. He was having a tough time finding space and getting open. Other guys weren't making shots. It was kind of like a between a rock and a hard place. Second half, he could have put his tail between his legs, mailed it in like a bunch of the other cowards he plays with. Nah, he looked around. He said, all right, fine. What is this, the 24th game in a row? None of you guys want to help me out? Fine. Shots weren't falling earlier. I'm going to just get real close to the basket, and I'm going to make sure they go in. And some of those takes. I know there are some NBA scouts watching tonight like, oh, my God. I'm going to fucking cream myself. Some of those takes he made that, that like he, when he hits that crossover and he gets into the lane, he did it twice and he hits the jump stop and his guy just goes flying in the air past him. And he just has that little baby floater. Oh man. And he is so good at making those little floaters, those little like four foot push shots, Ooh, the hooked or like out of the post too. Oh man, some of those moves that that one against I think it was Race Thompson. I think that's that guy's name. I don't know, twenty five. Um, where Henry hit him with the cross and then got into the lane at the end of the shot clock, pump, and he just goes flying and he just sinks it. And then the last one, the last possession, the dagger where he got uh, Jack, whoever was guarding him and Trace Jackson, he gets them up with the pump fake and just rattles it home, little floater. That too. I mentioned some of these guys playing with Cassius Winston, maybe some of that pedigree, or you think it'd wear off on them. Cassius Winston vibes. A, obviously the clutchness and just the put the team on my back, I'm carrying your bum asses to the finish line. Obviously that, but also just the moves themselves. Like that getting into the lane and that little like, the hesitation is so crafty because you can't guard that. You can't guard that because guess what? If you don't jump and he goes up, it's just a wide-open floater. If you do jump, he's going to hold it, and it's a wide-open floater. He's so explosive. He's so athletic. He's long. He's big. He's strong. It's unguardable. But that reminded me of Cassius Winston. Just kind of, sure, maybe on the initial drive, he's not just blowing past his guy and getting wide open. So he's smart. He's seen Cassius do it. He's going to mess with your timing. He's going to hesitate, let you make the first move, and then react and get open based off that. It was watching him cook those last five minutes was a thing of fucking beauty. And, man, just the fact, too, that with five minutes left, you could have said, man, Henry's had a bad game, and he finishes with, like, 22, 8, and 6. And it's like, that's an incredible game. That's That fucking means something. And I love that. The resilience – when the game's on the line, he still wants the ball, even though it hasn't gone his way. That's what I'm fucking talking about. I keep saying it. 
Aaron Henry, it was the case against Illinois. It was the case against Ohio State. We'll see if it's the case against Michigan. As long as we have Aaron Henry, we're going to have a shot. He when he like when he's on, he's the best player on the floor. I'm so like it's just it is what it is. That's just what I believe. Like when he's doing what he was doing at the end of that game, he's so dynamic. He's unstoppable. He really is. What a performance. All time, especially just like an iconic like Aaron Henry Spartan moment. Cassius Winston had a billion of them. Aaron Henry Spartan moment right there. Just legacy game. Now, last thing, obviously. I said he's going to drag this this team by by their nuts across the finish line. Thought Langford had a good game. Um, he's played his nuts off too, just rebounding, skying for everything. Hit a few shots. Gabe, those two threes he hit in the middle of the game were massive. Um, I thought he played well too, rebounding. He was great. We're going to need that against Michigan. We saw Illinois fucking cocked Michigan tonight, and the reason being because they just outworked them on the glass. Rebound City, USA. Gabe Brown, Josh Lankford, Aaron Henry, and then obviously the big men, bring it. You're going to have to bring it. Michigan, maybe they were tired. Maybe they were lazy. Either way, they show they can get a little exposed on the glass. Gabe Brown, you're 6'8". You can jump higher than like anybody on the team. Aaron Henry, you're a freak, brother. You could be an Avenger if you wanted to. You're a fucking freak. Josh Lankford, you've been getting up. You want rebounds. Let's see it. Let's see it. I thought those guys played well. Obviously, Henry, unreal. I don't know. Bingham's defense at the end. Bingham sucked ass the rest of the game, though, so I like it's tough for me to really sit here and suck him off. I mean, he was terrible until the end on Trace Jackson, but I guess he did redeem himself a bit. Michigan, we're coming for that ass. <laughs> we're coming for that ass. Michigan just got curb stomped, murdered, massacred, you name it. They got fucking killed by Illinois tonight. They were down like 30 at one point. And instead I said, oh, let me turn on a more competitive game. And I turned on the Red Wings game in which they were losing 4-1. That's telling you something. Michigan got killed tonight. They're feeling down. They're looking around the locker room. Hopefully they don't know how to deal with adversity. They're pointing some fingers. Tensions are getting heated rivalry game. I don't give a fuck. Throw the records out the window. Throw the stats out the window. Juwan Howard this, Juwan Howard that. I don't give a shit. Rivalry game, we're Michigan State. On the flip side, MSU, Aaron Henry, uh, He, you know, you already know Aaron Henry when he goes to the bathroom at his house or he like walks into class. You know he's just Euro-stepping around corners. He's banging out on the top of doorways because that's just how much he's feeling himself. We got Aaron Henry who is just cooking the rest of the boys, not great, but maybe that's a quota situation where they're due. We're due to start hitting some threes. Nonetheless, we're four and one in our last five. We've clawed our way back into the tournament. Last two top five teams we've played, we've beaten. Rivalry game. We When one of them, not only do we just kind of like embarrass Michigan because they've had this historic season and we've kind of had a historically bad season, not to you know bring up the grave, but Beating Michigan would be hilarious. We win one, we're in, we're a lock. We know that. We we didn't come this far just to lose. You know what I'm saying? 
Michigan. We're coming for that ass, baby. I'd love that. I love when we're catching them too. Like they might be a little down. We're up. I fucking love it. I said it earlier in the year too. The 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 first time we were supposed to play them was in like February. I want to say when we were going through it, we were down bad. Like this team was just unwatchable. And I said, I want to play Michigan because Michigan was on fire. They were highly ranked. They had all this mojo. I just wanted to play a team that would give us a kick in the ass. I wanted to play a team that it'd be like, have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. That kind of happened against Illinois and Ohio State, but I still love where we're at with Michigan. They got all this pressure on them. They got all the hype, the expectations. We're just trying to make it into the tournament. Fuck them. I would hate, I would hate to have to run in to Tom Izzo, Aaron Henry, Josh Langford, and dudes wearing green and white at this time of year with the way Aaron Henry's playing. I would absolutely fucking hate it. If I if I got off the team bus and I saw Aaron Henry warming up, Euro-stepping and shooting hezzies in the lane, I would just pack up and go home. I'd call my mom, say I have a stomach ache, I have coronavirus, get me out of here. Michigan, we, we're coming. We want you guys. Think you're all tough and hot shit. You haven't even seen Aaron Henry this year. Think about that. You haven't even played against Aaron Henry. Everyone's crowning you champ. Can't wait. Michigan, Michigan State, best two-way as in terms of football and basketball, best two-way rivalry in college sports. That's just completely inarguable. That's a fact. Hell of a college basketball rivalry. Izzo and Juwan. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Win one, baby. Win one. Not excited about this IU game, but I'm excited. I mean, we won. It's all that matters. Aaron Henry, fucking goat. Also, shirts 10% off at thesecondstring.com. Tell tip off Thursday. Michigan, we are coming for that. Aza. All right. Um, we'll do quick, quick uh little little break. Talk about anchor. Easy, easy peasy. And then um, I don't know, maybe talk about my hangover after this. We'll see. Back after this. <laughs> We're back. We're back. I just had an interesting experience. So we're back at the park. Um, day after this MSU Indiana beatdown. Day after the Aaron Henry statement, legacy coming out party, whatever you want to call it. It's the day after. It's third. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. We're back at Studio Two at the park. Fucking what else is new? Sun's shining. It's actually warm today. It's fifty-one right now. This is may as well be in the middle of Cancun. I do see a little bit of snow on the ground. That's kind of a bummer, but it's a gorgeous day. Had a weird experience. So everyone's familiar with the Jeep Wave. For some reason, Jeep owners, I don't know like who decided or, or said it could only be a Jeep thing. When Jeeps pass each other, I guess they wave like a, what's up, brother? Like a fraternity of Jeeps kind of thing. Kind of a weird, I don't know, weird habit, and I don't know why it's only Jeeps, but it is. Everyone's heard of it, the Jeep Wave. I was just driving down the street going nice and slow. The guy coming the other way had plenty of time to get a nice, long, good look at my car. I'm in a Buick Encore. The guy's driving the same exact car as I am. Same color, Buick Encore, literally the same car. I We're driving down the street. I can make eye contact with the guy. It's a 25-mile-an-hour road. We're going slow as shit. I make eye contact, and I give him not a Jeep wave. I give him a Buick Encore head nod. Hey, How's it going, sir? Little Buick Encore head nod. Everybody knows what what those are. Maybe even more illustrious and revered than the Jeep Wave. 
the Buick Encore head nut. Yep. Hey, happy Wednesday. How's it going, man? Happy hump day. Guy just gives me nothing back. I was almost offended, to be totally honest. I was almost offended. Like, A, how often you see someone driving a Buick Encore. B, how often you see someone driving the exact same color Buick Encore. C, how often you see someone driving the exact same Buick Encore and giving you a Buick Encore head nod, and you're just not going to return the favor? Like, has this fucking guy ever heard of community being a part of something bigger than yourself? Clearly wasn't a team sports guy when he was younger. Like, I was I was shocked and appalled. I get, poured my heart and soul into that head nod, too. Hey, man, hope this head nod makes all your dreams come true. That's what I was giving him with that head nod. I hope this head nod makes your ex-wife not hate you and she lets you see the kids again. Hope that's what that head nod does for you. And I just get nothing back. You can't even give me, like, a have a good day head nod. Like, no thought behind it, just a have a good day head nod. I'm pouring my heart and soul into my head nod. Us Buick Encore drivers, there's not a ton of us. We got to stick together. I give you, that that head nod meant something. That head nod came from deep within my core, from the bottom barrel of my heart. That head nod was built on blood, sweat, and tears. You can hardly make eye contact with me and you keep driving. That's just not the Buick Encore way. I, I don't know. I, I I had to say something because I was genuinely like, there's no chance that that just happened. There's no chance. And I made it, I gave him a, like a horse's neigh. I gave him a very obvious head nod. No missing it. And we were going slow. I don't have tinted windows. He saw me in the face. He looked me in the eyes. I cowered. It's the Buick Encore head nod. Have a little bit of respect. If not for the Buick Encore, but for yourself. And as a matter of fact, guy, Buick Encore guy, blue Buick Encore guy, if you're listening to this, I take back that head nod. Hope your ex-wife never lets you see the kids again. You don't deserve to drive a Buick Encore. Go get yourself some, I don't know, probably a schmuck. Go get a Mercedes SL550. Go get one of those, you schmuck. You don't deserve a Buick Encore. Buick Encore is for salt-of-the-earth integrity, guys. Guys who, when they see a head nod, they know that means something, and they return the favor because they're just class. They're just class. Those are the kind of people that should be driving Buick Encores. Unreal. Unbelievable. And going into the podcast, this happened minutes ago. Going into the podcast, that's the way he wants me. I come on to to my, my, my friends my listeners, my people, my little community. I come on here trying to spread love, good vibes, make a few people laugh maybe, and this guy's going to just leave me fucking hanging? Can't even move your head like six inches downwards? Asshole. Anyways, enough about the Buick Encore. Hell of a car, salt to the earth people, you know the deal. Anyways, 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 there actually is some stuff. I already talked about MSU hoops for like 30 minutes. Um... It's tough because there is some stuff like there's an article that came out this morning, Imani Bates, word on the street, Imani Bates is going, is, is looking at the G League versus MSU, like quote unquote people in his circle don't think he's going to actually play at state. He's going to go to the G League if he gets a decent offer, which he obviously will. Um, I don't love that, but moments ago, like, so that article was like this morning. It's one thirty right now. That article came out this morning. Moments ago, like five, 10 minutes ago, 
on Imani's Instagram story posts a picture of him in a Michigan State jersey and says, if it didn't come from Imani, then don't believe it. Woo-hoo! Oh, shit. Somebody wants to play at the Breslin Center. I can't even imagine on that art this morning those, how many Michigan fans were just jumping for joy. Oh, State's not going to get Imani. Oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to Michigan. Ooh, 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 someone wants to play at the Breslin. Someone wants to wear the green and white. Someone wants to be a part of history and make his own history. Ooh-wee. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. We'll see. I still am not like, I mean, you'd have to be crazy or a fortune teller to be 100% convinced that Imani's going to play at MSU. I feel good, though. It's tough because there's reports like that article. The author of the article says he doesn't seem to or people in Bates' camp, like his friends, family, whatever, don't seem to believe he'll play at State. But then when Imani committed to State, obviously he did the big like ESPN spot for the commitment. And when he committed, or maybe shortly thereafter, there was, the, there was a quote where he said, like, oh, oh, no, I'm not going to – I'm either going to the NBA or I'm going to state. Like, he kind of said, I don't have any interest in the G League. I'll just hold on, go to state for a year, and then wait for the NBA. Or if I can go to the NBA, then I'll do that. But he said at one point he didn't have any interest in the G League. So the whole Bates thing is weird. Like, there's so many different things floating around. I'm kind of like, I don't really fucking know what to believe. There's so many different things floating around. But – I don't know. Good news. It's more of like a live. It's like a survive in advance with Imani is where we're at. Like a live to see another day. Like, all right. Earlier this morning looked like he probably wasn't going to be in the green and white. Something else comes out. He on his own Instagram story, not through any article, not through any media website, his own Instagram story. He says, if it didn't come from Imani, then don't believe it. And it's a picture of him in a state Jersey. Like I'll buy that. I'll buy that all day. Like, as of right now, what is it, March 3rd, 2021? As of right now, if you ask me, gun to my head, put my life savings on it, I'm saying Imani Bates is going to be a Michigan State Spartan at some point, whether it's for one season, unless he – I don't know if there's a way it could be two. But right now, gun to my head, I'm saying Imani's going to be a Spartan at some point. Again, no way to know. But that's where we're at. That's where we got to be as state fans. Like, it's just got to be survive in advance season with it. Like, hey, fucking he, whatever. How long ago did he commit? He committed like a year ago now almost. Like, then it was like, hey, as of right now, I'll play at state. Here we are a year later. As of right now, looks like he's going to play at state. That's all we can ask for. That's all we can cling to. That's all, like, it's just one day at a time. Survive in advance. Like, Come August, come August, it's still going to be, there's no way to know for sure, but hopefully, like, as of right now, it looks good. Like, that's all, that's all you can go off. Just as of right now, looks good. I'm happy with that. Obviously, if the draft, the NBA draft thing gets repealed, then he can just go straight to the league. He'd be crazy not to go to the league. Um, and then who knows with the G League, because, like, they'll probably offer him a million bucks. I don't know. Interesting thing, though, about it is, so I was chopping it up on Twitter with Ant Wright. Again, I've referenced him on here before. I One of my podcasts was a locker room with him. Cute, like the face, kind of the face of college, certainly college basketball Twitter, I would say, in Michigan. Um, 
kind of just the face of like college sports in Michigan as far as MSU and Michigan. Obviously played at Michigan, friends with these guys, like grew up with Katie, shit like that. Like he he knows what he's talking about. He kind of knows the ropes. Chopping it up with him after the article came out this morning, kind of talking about, you know, the difference in value and, and what it brings to the table, like for these guys, these generational kind of like messiah made guys where like they're anointed before they even hit the nba like zion like imani kind of already is how much value are they actually gaining from going to duke for a year from going to michigan state for a year versus going to the g league being a pro right away getting a seven-figure contract when you're 18 and then going to the nba and making the real money like how much is it, how much value is being gained from spending that one year, quote-unquote, unpaid because Coach K didn't pay Zion anything, quote-unquote, didn't give his parents new car, whatever, although they should be paid, so who cares. But how much value did Zion gain where he's at today from spending that one year at Duke not collecting a paycheck, not endorsing himself, not making money off his name and his likeness, as opposed to these guys who took, like that Jalen Green guy who's in the G League, instead of going to college and going somewhere, I don't know, like going to UNC or a Duke, where he's on ESPN every night, going to the G League, getting a million bucks to play there this year, and then going to the NBA. Like, how much did Zion, how much will a guy like Imani either profit or lose? from going the college route that's a very interesting like that's where that's where this is interesting now is like that whole dichotomy of it and i know i know let me because i'm gonna go into this more because i think it's super interesting like not even this obviously usually i like to come on here and just joke around and shoot the shit this is kind of more of like uh i don't know i'm just interested in it so let's talk about it I know I said I was going to talk about the hangover in the first segment, but this Imani, like I woke up and it's Imani Bates, Imani Bates, Imani Bates. Uh, I'm going to fucking talk about Imani Bates. We'll save the hangover. I got two more podcasts coming out this week. We'll save the hangover for another day. Um, as far as as far as Zion goes, because he's the only guy we really have to go off of in the modern day social media age where like you can blow up, you can blow up. I wasn't really around for the come up of LeBron. Like I was fucking five years old when LeBron was coming up. So obviously can't really add a ton to like his epic rise, but Zion, I was in my prime for, I was in college when Zion was there. Like how much, so Zion's first year in the league. I don't even know, I don't even know the total of Zion's endorsements. His first year in the league, day one, the Pelicans call his name. Day one, $75 million shoe deal. I understand going to Duke for that year. Zion forfeited a million dollar contract in the G League. Zion like forfeited a fucking MyPillow endorsement in the G League. For however much. But going to Duke for that year. Like it's hard for me to say. It doesn't benefit. I don't know. At least to some level. Like now if. 
if you if Zion turns into LeBron and he's one of the best players in the league and every year he's on a forty million dollar contract, then at that point doesn't matter if you went to Duke G League, doesn't matter if you came out of your parents' basement, doesn't fucking matter. If you're one of those guys where you're a max guy every year, who fucking cares where you came from? But let's say Zion never gets to that level. To me, I feel like he benefits from Duke. Like, but the, before Zion ever played a minute in the NBA, he was a bigger superstar than like 90% of the league, if not more, I would say. And just in terms of being a household name in America, in terms of people being like, oh, I've seen him play before, or I've seen a clip of that guy, or. When you say Zion Williamson, they're like, oh, my God, that guy can dunk or he can jump out of the – like, everybody knew who and what Zion Williamson did before he ever even touched an NBA floor. He was truly more famous, more recognizable than at least 90% of the dudes in the NBA when he was 18 before he ever could make a dime off his name. And then the day he can make a dime, the day he gets to the league – $75 million shoe deal, obviously his NBA contract, and then who knows however many more endorsements he's joined in on since then. I got to imagine Zion's endorsement per- portfolio has to be like $75 million shoe deal. The other 25 mil from however many different things, got to imagine he's hitting 100 mil with it. Like I have a hard time believing that that happens without the exposure and the marketing from Duke. I mean, he truly became a superstar at Duke. Obviously, he's a college superstar, but he the superstardom was already built. The marketing platform, like his ability to pull in endorsements left, right, and center, already was built. It existed before he was ever a New Orleans Pelican. And I don't think... That happens if he goes the G League route. Now, Zion's case is interesting because just like what made him famous, the guy that made him the attraction at Duke and made him who he is, the way he plays is just freakish. Like whether he was in the G League, whether he was overseas, whether he was at Duke, whether he was fucking playing in an underground street fighting league, the highlights that dude created, like those are going viral. If somebody in the gym has a camera... He's going viral every night anyways. So Zion maybe could have made it work at the G League level too. Because like when he's just dunking through 15 people, when he's jumping 70 feet in the air to block a shot, that's incredible at any level. But I still think there is something to be said for A, being on ESPN 24-7. I mean, it's like, it's like Brady and LeBron. Like, when they're in season, all ESPN talks about is those guys. That's how Zion was. Every single day, Sports Center, every single college basketball game. It could be fucking 11 p.m., a college basketball game in the Pac-12, Colorado, and Arizona State, and they'd end up talking about Zion Williamson somehow. Like, that means something. His Him going to Duke got in, whether he knew it or not, it involved... The entire world, like ESPN Worldwide Sports, whatever their stupid slogan is, ESPN instantly got involved, college basketball fans. Like, he brought in hundreds of thousands, millions of people 
to market himself for him the day he decided to go to Duke. Because, A, Duke, massive brand, obviously. College basketball, huge fan base, obviously. ESPN, everybody's aware. Sports fans watch it. Everybody fucking knows what ESPN is. They they carried the word of Zion. They were like the disciples of Zion. They were like the, what is it, the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples? I'm so bad at religion. They're like the 12 disciples of Zion. Everybody carried the word of Zion throughout the United States for him. If he's in the G League, he becomes a guy where it was like LaMelo. Like, you see the Twitter highlight every once in a while, but, like, no one's fucking flipping to the the L.A. G League team game Saturday at 8 o'clock. Nobody cares. You could be the biggest Zion fan in the world. You could love his dunks. Guess what? If you're a Virginia Tech Hokie fan and they're playing at the same time, you're watching Virginia Tech, not Zion. If you're a college basketball fan and there's a, a, a big game, a ranked game, you're watching that. You're not watching the G League. So I think while he definitely, obviously, forfeited that seven-figure contract and say, I don't know, like let's say he could make $10 million in endorsements at the G League level. He forfeited that for one year. When he got to the NBA, him going to Duke, I think, allowed him to say, oh, I'm going to just make, Forget my NBA contract. I'm going to make $100 million sponsoring toothpaste brands, wearing shoes, fucking telling people what underwear I use. I'm going to make $100 million doing that. Oh, and I think that's that's Duke. That's Duke. It's all a business, too. It's like Hollywood. ESPN's going to prop Zion up. Zion's going to do his thing, make them money. Zion's going to make the NBA money. It's like everybody making everyone money. When a guy like Zion comes along, when a guy like Imani comes along, ESPN's going to pump the shit out of your stories. ESPN's going to put you on every night because guess what? The bigger they make you, the more your star shines, the more money you make them, the more clicks they get. Everybody starts making money now. It's a circle of money. So for that reason, while, I mean, it's all basketball aside, too. Zion didn't need Duke to go to the NBA. Zion didn't need Duke to be the number one pick. Imani sure as hell doesn't need Michigan State to go to the league or be the first pick. Fuck no. Basketball-wise, these guys don't even remotely need the NBA. I mean, don't, sorry, don't even remotely need their colleges. Even at the money-making standpoint, like, hey, Imani, you're you're going to be the number one pick and get a fat contract whether you play overseas, whether you go to the G League, whether you go to Michigan State. It doesn't matter. I think the difference is the marketing. Like, you look at a guy like Giannis, let's say, whatever, the 14th pick or whatever he was from Greece. Nobody knew who he was when he came over. I don't know. He made his rookie contract, probably had zero endorsements because nobody cared about him. Nobody knew who he was. The first four years, like until the Greek freak kind of became a thing, however many years into his career that was. Now he's on a max contract. Now he's probably making tens of hundreds of millions on endorsements every year. What, for me, the way I look at it is, for these guys like Zion and Imani, if you're going to become that level, the James Hardens, the Giannis, the KD, the bronze of the world, go into these colleges they obviously don't change your path to the NBA because you're getting there one way or another. And sure, you'll you'll make a little bit less money in that one year. You might have gone to the G League. But the endorsement level, Giannis, Giannis it took him three, four years till he made a name for himself in the NBA 
to get that endorsement money. Zion, he came in with a name for himself. Imani Bates, he goes to Michigan State for a year. Guess what? Michigan State, massive brand, huge basketball school, huge basketball brand. Probably top six most notorious basketball schools in the country. Tom Izzo, marketing guy. Everybody knows Izzo. ESPN's going to pump the shit out of Michigan State. There's going to be five Imani Bates stories a week, five Michigan State Tom Izzo stories a week. Every single night, you're going to be on at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Every single Saturday, you are the primetime game with Jay Billis College Game Day. You are gonna, they're going to pump the shit out of you. And guess what, Imani? Now when you get to the NBA, you have the same thing as Zion where you're a bigger star. You haven't even touched an NBA floor, and you're a bigger star and more of a household name than 95% of the guys in this league. So guess what? Instead of doing what Giannis did where he had to spend the first three or four years of his career only collecting the NBA check while he made a name for himself, you're going to come in, collect the 1-1 overall check, and people are going to be like, listen, why would I Why would I give a, an endorsement deal to Drew Holiday when I can give it to Amani Bates? Drew Holiday, great player, great basketball player, hell of a career. Imani Bates is a way bigger star, way more talked about, way more of a household name than him. Imani Bates, 19-year-old kid, rookie year, hasn't even played an NBA minute, $100 million in endorsements. Like, you don't need now. I think Michigan State eliminates, or Duke for Zion, eliminates that three-, four-year ramp-up period where it's like, oh, this guy was kind of unknown beforehand. Now he needs to build a name for himself in the league. And then the endorsements come in. When you go to Michigan State and you play on ESPN every night, when you go to Duke and you play on ESPN every night and they talk about you in every college basketball broadcast in the country, the day you get to the NBA, you're a top 10, top 20 most marketable person in the league. You're an endorsement's wet dream. I think that's the advantage. It has nothing to do with Michigan State helping them get to the NBA. It has nothing to do with Obviously, going to the G League, you're going to make more money in that first year, but it's like an investment. You'll make $10 million in the one year in the G League and then $20 million in your first year in the NBA, where MSU, you'll make zero in that G League year, and then you'll make 100 mil in your first year in the NBA because you've become a superstar. Like these guys in college, and it's different for unless you are a guy like Zion, like Imani, where it's like the prince that was promised, the 1-1 guys – those guys where ESPN and everyone's going to market the shit out of you, you've become a superstar before you've played your first NBA minute. And that's a fact. Zion, the day he got to the league, Imani, the day he gets to the league, will be bigger than 95, if not more, percent of the league. And that's a fact. And it's different. It's different for guys like, I mean, it, like unless you're one of these generational talents. Like Ant made a good point. When I was talking to him, he was like Patrick Williams, like he didn't need he didn't need the college he like he didn't need marketing in college or what did what did going to Florida State do for his marketing? Which I agree, absolutely nothing. He's playing real well for the Bulls and he'll have a nice little career with or without Florida State. Their marketing didn't do shit for him, but that's the difference. Is these guys these guys are the outliers? The Zion's and the Amani's are the outliers because Patrick Williams wasn't in the news every day from the time he was an eighth grader. Patrick Williams wasn't the next Kevin Durant. Patrick Williams wasn't the best basketball prospect we've seen in 15 years. That's the difference. I think the marketing 
the marketing doesn't matter at all for Patrick Williams. And Florida State isn't Duke or Michigan State. But when you're the next generational talent, a Zion or an Imani, I think it does make a difference. I think it does. I think LaMelo, same thing. LaMelo is still a star kind of because Alonzo and his dad. But I think LaMelo, too, probably would have benefited more, probably have more endorsement-wise going on for him this year if he played college rather than going overseas. I think for these once-in-a-lifetime generational guys, the college marketing, making them a superstar before they ever reach the NBA makes them so much more money than they make in that one year they would have gone to the G League. That's just me. There's obviously, you can argue it, there's definitely, like, I'm not 100% convinced. It's just kind of the outlook I have, the way I see it. It's super interesting, though. It is. Like, I would love to get Ant on or do a locker room with him and talk to him about it. Very, very interesting stuff. So, just some food for thought on the Imani talk. Um, That's all I got today. So, tomorrow, huge fucking game against Michigan. I'm not going to do a pregame because I feel like I've talked about Michigan State on every single one of these this week. So, the podcast that comes out tomorrow, that'll be a random one. Maybe a movie review. I want to watch Mean Streets tonight. So maybe a Mean Streets review and then talking about a hangover. And then Friday, we'll see. So no more sports. I'll try to refrain from the sports for the rest of the week. Like I said, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. So the podcasts that come out tomorrow and Friday will both be recorded on Wednesday. So no more sports, just random stuff. Um, And then I'll talk to you guys next week. But hope you enjoy. You know where to find me. Twitter, Nick Second String. Instagram, the second, the period, second period string the second string Detroit at gmail.com. I appreciate everyone listening per usual state fans, baby huge one against Michigan go fucking green. And I'll see you guys tomorrow.